Hey, it's Dusty Otis. Welcome to the Redefined Church Podcast. I'm so glad that you're taking part of your day to join us. I hope this message challenges you. I hope that it inspires you. But more importantly, I hope that it helps you grow spiritually. If you want to be a part of what we're doing here at Redefined Church, you can always support us by going to liveredefined.com forward slash give. I hope you enjoy today's message. And so to start off, I think this week we started asking our kids, what is forgiveness? Like, what is forgiveness? And in that, um, we had some really good answers just from our kids to say, well, it is, um, it's being nice. It's if Lainey hits, this is, this is a good one. If Lainey hits me on the head with her baby doll, then, um, and I, I, I forgive her. Well, it's, well, it's, ki- it's kind of that, but like in, in depth, like what is forgiveness? It is a, I'm not going to say a clean slate, but you know what I'm saying? Like what? To understand forgiveness and what it is, you have to really kind of get your mind wrapped around what it is. And then who forgives? Like, and so then easy, like Jesus forgives, God forgives. It's all, you know, we we say those and we say it a lot. And so then you think, well, is it is it is forgiveness given with pride or is it giving with humility? And um, and in those, I think that there's um it's easy for us to sit here and, and give the church in and say, well, it's prideful if you're not willing to give forgiveness or if you're not willing to receive forgiveness because, you know, sometimes we can't receive because we won't take ownership. And so uh, the other question that we thought we would ask is who decides if someone gets forgiveness? And uh, even, even in being married, there's a lot of times where um, I don't really know that there's ever discussion of that. like. Who decides? And the, re- the reality is, is like, I can forgive Heather, but ultimately it's, that's, that's God. And because he forgives, we forgive, right? And so when you look at uh, Matthew 6, 14 through 15, it says this, it says, for if you forgive people their wrongdoing, your heavenly father will forgive you as well. But, the big but here, but if you don't forgive people, your father will not forgive your wrongdoing. And so then, here's kind of the, the big question. When you forgive someone, are you still mad? Like, when you've actually forgiven somebody, are you still mad? And most of the time, the answer is yes. Yes, we're still mad. Have you ever wondered why you're still mad? Like, well, I, I said I forgive you, but it was kind of like token forgiveness, right? Like, well, I know I should do this, so here's this. Okay, I want you to take that. And the reality is, is, is human forgiveness, human beings forgive like this. None of you can read this, right? It's good because there's some really bad stuff on here, okay? Here's how we forgive as human beings. We say, oh, I see. Oh, probably because it's upside down. I see how, I see what you did, okay? I forgive you. See, I, for, I forgive you. And I just set that right there, okay? And this is how we forgive. The problem is, we know what's written on there. We know it. We know it. And we keep it just, just right there at our reach, right? So then when you think about forgiving people, and if you, you would say, well, yeah, I'm still mad. You're still mad because it's still right there. It's just still right there in my reach. And, and, and even though I can't see it anymore, I still know what line three says. It was, it was very funny. Um, funny because we wrote it down, but you still know what's there, right? And so then part of the reason we won't let go of that is, is linked to last week, which is, do you think God's mad at you? 
Do you think God is mad at you or do you think God is still mad at you? And if you think God's mad at you, why? Why? If you, like if we just dive deep into this and say, why? Because it's not him that's carrying that guilt or that shame or that whatever. It's you. We all carry that, right? And so this is how God forgives. Heather did both of these, by the way. They say the same thing. Okay, trying to look too close. It's right side up. And so this is how God forgives. God says, here's this. And he says, I didn't try this before, so I'm glad it's working. I can't put this back on here. I can't put it back on here. And God sees this and he says, this is what I do. And it's not in reach anymore. It's gone. Do you remember what was on line seven? Line nine. The first line? It's gone. Because it's gone. Do you remember what it said? No. It's gone. It's gone. And so when you think about it like this, you see that what Paul's telling us in Colossians 1, and 23 says this. But now he has reconciled you by his physical body through his death to present you holy, faultless, and blameless. Not still here. Before him. He presents you holy, faultless, and blameless before him. If indeed you remain grounded and steadfast in faith and are not shifted away from the hope of the gospel that you hear. The hope of the gospel you hear. So then we are to forgive like God forgives us, right? Erase it. Erase it. Heather got me this trusty thing. This is a good visual support right here. I'm just so excited about it. Oh. Holy, blameless, without fault. This is how God sees you. God doesn't come back and go, wait a second now. Now, Luke, we've talked about this 78 times now. Right? This is how God sees you, holy, blameless. And so then do you believe God sees you like this? Do you believe God sees you like this? That really links to last week's message about how you see yourself, how you care for yourself, how you love yourself, all of those things. Because in reality, this is how we start the process of forgiving ourselves, really, is to look at Colossians 1, and 23 and say, okay, I am holy, I am faultless, I am blameless. This is the first step to the process because, because there, there are promises all over. Hebrews 8, 12 says, he will forget our wrongs and will never again remember our sin. And so then uh, in this message, what I found is there are 10 other things that I wanted to tell you about forgiveness. And so Wednesday night, I'm going to do a live on Facebook and YouTube at 7 p.m. called 10 Things That God Does to Forgive You. And so if you guys want to do a little midweek um, you can come for that too if you want. I think um, it'll be in my office. But Facebook, YouTube, 7 p.m. Wednesday, 10 things that God does to forgive you. And so moving on, when it comes to others, so let's go back to, the, to, that, um, to that kind of the big rock question. Now, when it comes to others and you forgive them, but you're still mad, you're still mad, who are you hurting in that? Like, this is the thing we need to identify. We, we never talk about this. I'm hurting myself. I've forgiven you. Yet I'm still bothered by this. I'm still mad. I'm still carrying it. Why? 
because the other person doesn't care, right? And that's just, that's generally speaking. And so you're only hurting yourself because you're the one that's still willing to feel it. Are they willing to feel it? No, they're just over there, right? Because they really don't understand the depth of what has happened, right? And so until you understand really the depth of the pain or the hurt in each other, you can't. And so the reality is we forgive, but we're still mad. And we're still mad because, because one, it's, it's not that they haven't acknowledged, but they just don't understand the depth of the issue, of the hurt, of the pain, of the betrayal. And so I'm still mad. I'm still mad because it's right here. Because I come back and I go, man, I can't believe that. Like, why? Right? And so the reality is the one who committed the offense doesn't really feel anything. They're oblivious. Um, they don't understand the depth or the weight of it. And when you say, I forgive you, they take what was this big to them and they delete it because you said you forgive me. And so then they don't know that you still have this and it's just right there. They don't know you have it. They say, okay. And so then the reality is, is why would you carry that for them? Why do we carry that for them? It's so silly. And so <clears throat> when you think about it like that, the, 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 re, the reality is, instead of this, I just do this. I forgive, I erase, and I move on. Why? Because they're human beings. Whether it's an organization or a company or a business or who cares, somebody human is in charge of that, right? And so then putting faith in that is, is not stable. And so we forgive, we erase, and we move on. Now, kind of the cornerstone scripture day is in Ephesians. It's Ephesians 4, and it's verse 32, 32, we're 30 through 32. So our anchor, and so I'm going to read uh, this, and I've highlighted a couple things. Uh, verse 30, don't grieve the Holy Spirit, okay? Verse 30, don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. And so here's the deal. The, God's Spirit is in you. If you're a believer, if you have called on Jesus to be your Savior, then uh, then you have God's spirit in you. So then, say, Dusty, it seems like we're always talking about the spirit. We are, because, because if you remember, in Galatians 5, the spirit is love, right? So everything, everything from stems from that. And so then it says, don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You were sealed by him for the day of redemption. All bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting, and slander must be removed. Must be removed from you. I highlight it must be removed. Along with all malice, be kind and compassionate. I highlighted be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. And so as we jump into today, the reality is we're imperfect people living in an imperfect world, yet we expect perfect relationships. We expect perfect partnerships. We expect the people at, that are in charge of, um, you know, our companies or our coworkers, we expect perfect. We want perfect. And the reality is, is conflicts are inevitable and offenses are always going to happen. And so in that, there's, there's two things that really kind of hold us together. Forgiveness is the glue that holds our relationships together. There has to be forgiveness. You say, well, what about love? Well, the spirit is love. You cannot have forgiveness without having love. And so I'm not, I'm not overstepping love. Everything comes from and, and kind of flows through love. And so then, forgiveness is the glue that holds our relationships together. Unforgiveness then tears them apart. It makes you hate the place you work. It makes you dislike the people you're around. It makes, it, it causes um, tension in your relationships, right? 
And it's like that because, um, because few people know what forgiveness means. And even more or less, they, know how, they don't know how to forgive. And because forgiveness takes discipline, these are kind of hard, these are hard things that I had to realize. <laughs> and I would say I'm a very disciplined person. But forgiveness takes discipline and strength in my character. And I know that God wants to develop that character. And I know that God is that character. And I know, and I, know I want God's character to come through me. And so then to walk out forgiveness, to walk out the action of forgiveness, takes me being strong in my character. Saying that, I had to realize that spiritually weak people hold grudges. Spiritually weak people, if you, if you look at what we've talked about so far, spiritually weak people let the imperfection of others hinder their success, hinder their day, hinder how they move forward. And it's we won't let go of, of this wad of paper. We won't let go of that. And so it keeps us from going where we should because of my weakness spiritually. And so that we know forgiveness is rooted in love. We forgive. We forgive because we love. This is why God sent Jesus. God so loved the world that he sent his son. We understand that Jesus came to restore. There's restoration. There's forgiveness in that. And so 1 Corinthians 13, uh, 13.5 says, love is not rude. This ties both things together. God sending Jesus and the forgiveness of our sins, right? And we talked about this well, last week. Last week? Feels like it's been eight weeks. Love is not rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wronged. It keeps no record of being wronged. Much like love, forgiveness is an action. Forgiveness is not a feeling. And so most of the time, we grasp forgiveness two or three days, three or four weeks after it happened, right? Because we kind of let forgetfulness take over. And after one day, it's not as bad as it was yesterday. And after two days, it's not as bad as it was, you know, and so on. And so then it kind of goes away. But if it's given like this, it comes back very quickly. It comes back very quickly. So there's four things I want to identify about forgiveness, either what it is or what it's not. We talked that we would do this today. And so, again, forgiveness is an action, not a feeling. And so the first thing is forgiveness is choosing not to remember. Forgiveness is choosing not to remember. Now, I'm not saying that you're going to forget. Everyone wants to say forgive and forget. It's not human nature to forget. It's human nature to do this. It's not human nature to do this. And so true forgiveness takes place when we make a deliberate choice not to dwell on wrongdoings. But isn't that how our self-talk works? Like you wake up and it, I don't know, for some reason, it just tends to automatically go to all the people who have wronged you, upset you, what bothered you yesterday. Sometimes we go to bed and we say, oh, tomorrow's going to suck. Like, I don't even want to go to tomorrow. Like, I'm going to have to go and deal with this. And, and you remember the last thing they did wrong to you. And all of these things. And so then we take them with us. So true forgiveness doesn't remember. It takes place when we deliberately make a choice not to dwell on the wrongdoings, which is difficult. And the reality of that is because every time we think about it, even long after you've even forgiven somebody, every time you think about it, it rebuilds the offense. In your mind, you rebuild the offense and it creates a, a bigger barrier between you and the person who offended you or the organization who offended you, right? And so then, and in our relationships, it's even worse like that. I go to bed and I'm giving you the, this shoulder, like I don't even want to see you. So let's just build that wall a little bit higher, right? 
So then, forgiveness is choosing not to remember. <clears throat> it takes place when we choose not to dwell on wrongdoings. Number two, forgiveness is not a weapon. This is big. In a disagreement, when you disagree, we've gotten really good at this, but we've had to walk it out and, um, and really define what our way is. In a disagreement, there's always the temptation for one person to drop the bomb of, remember when you, well, you, because you, you always, right? There's always that temptation for the person who has the microphone at that moment to drop that bomb of, remember when you, and they reach out, and we go, remember this? And when you do that, it resurrects what was once forgiven. It brings it right back. And that type of anger can only be relieved by revenge. It's a type of revenge. And so there's two things about not using forgiveness as a weapon. One, winning an argument using forgiveness as a weapon is an act of revenge that can be used over and over and over again as long as your heart hurts about it. As long as, you're, as long as the human heart hurts over an offense, you can, use, you can use forgiveness as a weapon forever until your heart is content, until you feel like, I've brought this up 3,042 times, and they, you finally feel worthless. I win. You can do that. The problem is what happens, and this really stinks, the problem is the recipient of that bomb that we dropped. You always... Remember when you, the recipient of that person is going to feel betrayed because they thought the offense had been forgiven. They didn't know it was still over here. And remember, they don't carry the weight. They don't know the weight of it anyways. And so they thought they thought they were walking with this. Clean bill, you know, we're good. Thought we were walking with this until we get into the heated battle and the bomb is dropped. And so then they feel betrayed because they thought it had been forgiven. And so then now the guilt that they felt in that moment is brand new and fresh. It services again, and now um, this renews our anxiety, and it renews that relational distance. Ooh, how I, I felt like I was from here to you then. I now feel that again in the middle of this conversation. I don't know why. It's because you pull and you drop the grenade, right? And so in that, using forgiveness as a weapon instantly destroys relationships. It'll just, it, it will disintegrate them. And so then the second thing is this, forgiveness builds loving relationships. It doesn't destroy them. So then we don't use forgiveness as a weapon. Is this good? Good. This is hard to share. I'm just, I'm just going to tell you, okay? <laughs> forgiveness keeps silent. Forgiveness keeps silent. This is a toughie. So, especially for me, I like to talk a lot. Uh, several years ago, we had a player come in and we used to do this breakfast thing that we would, we would have our, our players speak. I coached a long time ago and, um, he taught something called the absent. And this is something, uh, he was a 16 year old kid. The absent one is safe with me. And what the, that whole talk was about is this. I'm never going to talk about somebody who's not here. If they can't be here, then I won't talk about them. The absent one is safe with me. So he talks about stepping into conversation. People are gossiping, bad-mouthing, whatever. I'm silent. I'm not going to talk about that person. Now, if they're here, I will. And so then, the absent one is safe with me. Forgiveness keeps 
silence, especially about the conflict, because true forgiveness doesn't gossip. It doesn't. And so gossip is a subtle form of revenge. It's just a slight little, it makes us feel better because we're getting it off our chest, right? And it's a subtle form of revenge because the person who is um, wrong, they become this public, now it's public humiliation. Now everybody knows about that, right? And what once was between you and me is now between you and me and all of your friends. And, and in that, um, uh, it's dirty, right? It's dirty. And so then seeking the counsel of a trusted friend, friend can be part of the healing process. It needs to be. Me and a friend, me and a counselor, me and a pastor, me and a coach, me and, a, me and someone, that's great. But when I go out and I start telling every person I talk to, that's bad. And so then a person can be part of the healing process, but on the contrary, what happens is gossip prevents us, it prevents me, um, it prevents my hurt heart from moving forward. I won't heal because I keep talking about what has hurt me. And so then it is finding that person to, to, to find counsel in because um, I can't heal because of the wound caused because I'm not allowing the wound to heal. I'm not allowing the hurt to heal because I constantly keep bringing it back up and I regurgitate it, right? And so now all that said, this is all great except for when a crime is committed, right? If a crime is committed, that offense, that crime can be forgiven, but it should always be reported, right? What I was going to call the law. Fourth thing that forgiveness does, forgiveness takes discipline. It's how I started this. Forgiveness takes discipline, period. Seeking forgiveness is easier than forgiving because it costs us something, right? So the person who forgives must not only endure the pain of the betrayal or the offense, but they must also continually make a decision not to remember the transgression. And then we don't use forgiveness as a weapon and we keep from gossiping. It takes discipline. All that said, forgiveness doesn't come without a conversation. Like, it's not like you can walk in and be like, hey, that thing you did, you're good. Here you go. That, it doesn't work like that. It's gonna take conversation. And so we're gonna jump into the two types of forgiveness here in just a second. I wanna go back to Ephesians chapter four really quick and read kind of the preface uh, verse 25 through 32, we, we, went, through, we went 4 through 30 just a, or 430 through 32 just a second ago. And before we jump into that, I just want to say this doesn't mean that we're to overlook every offense. And you said something about this, about what the, the Bible says, and I don't remember exactly what you said. You have, Heather has the whole Bible memorized, okay? I did not. <laughs> and so what did you, you said, um, I don't remember what, you didn't quote chapter and verse, but essentially... The Bible says there are certain type of offenses that we don't just forgive and work through and move on with. I do not remember. (laughs) I'm not sure. I think we were talking in marriage and it was like, it's not that's not forgivable. I think we were talking more about um, reasons for grounds for divorce, but that's a whole nother yeah. Thing. I don't remember on the forgiveness thing. I'm sorry. We'll go back to criminal acts. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so then those are to be reported. Not every act is forgivable, but some take law, some take counsel, some take um, conversation. And so then um, it's, this is not a message to say, everybody can walk out of here today. If, if you just, you know, it's a little hardcore to commit murder last night, but in that, like you're, 
there's a process, right? It's all a process. And so it's not just, it's not just that. And so this is what God does. This is what we tend to do. So we're trying to get over this and we're trying to forgive like this today. And so if you, um, I should have gave you a heads up, you know, <laughs> uh, forgiveness. Here's, here's a big point. Forgiveness bridges the barrier of betrayal and offense. Forgiveness bridges the barrier, bridges the wall, bridges, it, it, it breaks right through that betrayal and offense. It allows us to continue to strengthen our relationships. Forgiveness is really an essential part of our life. And so that we must learn to forgive others because at some point we're going to need forgiveness ourselves. I've got to learn this. And so as we go back to Ephesians uh, chapter 4, 25 through 32, it says this, since you put away lying, what is, what is lying? If I don't really forgive you, I'm lying. It's fake forgiveness, right? Oh, yeah, you're good. You're good till the next time we, we come, to, come to a head, right? So it's fake forgiveness. Speak the truth. Speak the truth. Have a conversation. Have an honest, open conversation. Now, here's the thing. If you've been wrong, defended, hurt, betrayed, it's your responsibility to say, I do forgive you, but this is going to take time. I, this is, this is, I, I can't go from this to this overnight. I know I should be this. However, however, it's going to take time. And honesty in that, as opposed just to check and be like, we're good. Yeah, I, I, I know you're sorry. We have to understand that what, what's, what's being given on the other side isn't what we're feeling, right? And so we must learn to forgive others because at some point we need forgiveness, right? The next thing is this. Um, and in that conversation, I can forgive you. Like, I forgive you, and I'm going to work through this with you. I'm going to work through this with you. It's going to take time. But that takes speaking the truth, not hiding or covering it up, right? And so, since you put away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin this verse 26. You have permission to be mad. That's what that is. You have permission to get as upset as you want to get. Be angry and do not sin. What's this mean? You be mad, don't let your anger turn into like a full-out brawl where we have to call the police for domestic violence, right? That'd be bad. And so don't give the devil an opportunity. This is really why we're reading this whole, this whole point. Do not give the devil an opportunity. What's it saying? The devil's a liar, right? The devil is only here to divide and corrupt. And so then in that, we understand like, do not give the devil an opportunity. So then, because he's a liar, we understand all the things that he is. What this means is take what was intended for bad and turn it to good. Walk the walk. Talk the talk. Forgive as Christ forgave you. Walk it and talk it, right? And so then, 29, no foul language is to come from your mouth, but only what is good for the building up of someone in need, so that it gives grace to those who hear and do not grieve God's spirit. You are sealed by him for the day of redemption. All bitterness, anger, and wrath. Now you get into forgiveness. This whole thing has been talking about it. All bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting, slander, must be removed from you along with all malice and be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another just as God forgave you in Christ. So then, what we see is forgiveness is an active process where we make conscious decisions daily to follow through with the act of forgiveness regardless of how we feel regardless of how we feel, because forgiveness is not a feeling. It's an action. And so two types of forgiveness. And this is, this is where we are wrapping up. 
two types of forgiveness. These were huge. These were huge for me um, because I did not understand one of them. And I'd been taught uh, these three scriptures that I shared today without the context that I've given and thought that, um, that that was what forgiveness was. And so then in, there's salvage forgiveness and there's reconciliation forgiveness. These are the two types of forgiveness. Um, Dr. Tony Evans has a different version of this. There are, he has, there are some similarities in it, uh, but that's not what I learned or was taught or sat through or had to live out. And so this is what, this is what, this is what I know. And so in salvage forgiveness, the other party, right, or the other person is likely to have no clue what they've done how they've done it, how wrong it was, how they offended you, how they betrayed you. They understand there's been an offense, but on a scale of one to 10, the offender normally looks at it about a one, and we normally receive it as about a 10. And so then salvage forgiveness is very one-sided. It's one-sided, and it's for you. It's for you, and it's so you can move forward, period. And so it occurs when you forgive someone, but the person hasn't asked for it, they haven't requested it, they haven't repented for their wrong, right? They, they, they're oblivious. And so this is done without their involvement. It's done on your own, and it's your choice. You're giving them the choice to forgive, right? So then why use this type of forgiveness? You're going to use this because you've addressed the issue with them, okay? But they're clueless, and they either put blame back on you or blame somebody else, okay? And what the, the real thing is, is this is going to save you a lot of time and a lot of heartache because they won't take ownership. They just won't take ownership. And so it's letting go of what you weren't meant to carry. This is what salvage forgiveness is. Salvage forgiveness keeps you from being held hot, held hostage to something the other person um, may never, ever get right, ever. And so then salvage forgiveness means you forgive so that you can move on. I'm just ready to move on. I'm going to essentially say myself, when you forgive, you forgive so you can let go. If you think about in Acts chapter 7, when Stephen was being stoned to death, he asked God to forgive those who were killing him. Right there on the spot. There's no relationship. It's salvage forgiveness. He just does it. Same thing, Jesus, same thing Jesus does on the cross. He says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Now he was salvation, right? But what you see, what you see even through Stephen was as soon as he asked um, God to forgive them. He looked up and he saw heaven open. He saw Jesus. And so that tells you that there is a new level of access to God with forgiveness when we walk, when we walk like this, not just as ourselves, but with others. And it gives you a deeper relationship with God, your Savior. And what I, what I hope you see in salvage forgiveness is, is, is forgiveness, period, gives you hope in harm. It gives you hope as you walk through the harm, and it gives you peace in your problems. This is what forgiveness does. And so in salvage forgiveness, you release the individual, the group, you release them, okay? You're essentially saying, okay, I understand this. I understand what it means to forgive like God forgives, right? And so you release the individual, the group, the organization, the business. You release whoever's standing between you and God. How do you know to use salvage forgiveness? If the one you're forgiving doesn't take ownership, this is the way to go. The one you're forgiving will not take ownership. Salvage is the way to go. Why? Why? Because you can't hold on to it anymore and you can't pretend it never happened. Right? And so the worst thing you can do in this condition is create the way that you think it should work 
hold the person to the way that you think it should work and believe that they're eventually going to come around because they're not. Like, they're likely not going to. So, salvage forgiveness um, puts the responsibility back where it goes. It puts it on the person or the place that caused the hurt, that caused the problem, that caused the X. Because the hurt or the offense is not yours to carry. Now, here's your next step. Your next step in salvage forgiveness is this. Choose to forgive the whole person at one time, once and for all. Forgive them in your heart, not just with your mouth. Because the only person who knows your heart is God. God searches your heart. And so then forgive them in your heart. Then walk it out one day at a time, regardless of your feelings. Choose to operate in the spirit. Type two, reconciliation. What is this? This is relational. I want this to work, this partnership. I want this relationship. I want this marriage to work. We're talking about reconciliation, forgiveness. This is where both parties do their part. The biggest thing that, that we lack here that misses is trust. No trust. When we're talking about forgiveness, and I love you, and I forgive, and I love, and I forgive, but if there is no trust, Remember, if even, even if you reference biblical obedience, we obey, we listen, we do what God has asked us to do because we love him and we trust him. That creates follow-through. It's the same thing in our relationships here. There must be love and trust if we're going to move forward in forgiveness, right? There, but forgiveness doesn't equal trust. Forgiveness does not equal trust. Just because I forgive you doesn't mean we're back again, right, babe? <laughs> And so why would you use reconcili uh, reconciliation and forgiveness? Because both, both people involved want healing. Both people want restoration. They want to walk it out. They want unity. They want reconciliation. If there is no trust, if there is no trust, forgiveness is still step one, but trust must grow, has to grow. So in that, protect your heart. Be smart. Matthew 5.37 says, let your yes be yes and let your no be no. Be smart, protect your heart, and that's it. If I'm going to build trust with Heather, like there was times where I told Heather she was number one, she was the best thing ever in my life, yet for some reason she kept falling to five or six because work kind of dominated, right? And so I would tell her that she was number one, but you felt like you were last. And in that, I couldn't see that, and I didn't know what the offense was either. And so because I felt like I was doing a good job providing, I'm providing, you know? And in that, um, I was kind of letting her slip through the cracks. And so what I realized is when I come home from work, if she really is first, I don't need to be on my phone when I, when I walk in the door. I need to be ready to greet her. If she really is first, I need to give her my first 5, 10, took a long time to get 15, but give her my first 15 minutes when I get home. If she really is first, when I open my text, she should be the last one that I text. If she really is first, when she calls, I should answer, right? And so our actions are what build trust. That builds trust. Years, right? But it's there. It takes consistency. It takes discipline. And so then, how do you use this? Well, you'd say, okay, that's great. How, but I, don't, I couldn't trust this person or that organization farther than I could throw them. You have to give or create opportunities for that person or that place to build trust with you. You have to create those opportunities. If you keep a closed mind and a closed mouth and a closed door and everything's closed, how are you ever going to rebuild trust? And what is their opportunity to rebuild trust? You have to create those opportunities. And so then as you gain trust, you build trust. As, you gain, as they gain your trust, you build trust in them. Reconciliation forgiveness comes full circle. 
Reconciliation forgiveness comes full circle when both parties become equal with trust. And so then where there's trust, there's healing. It's not where there's forgiveness, there's healing. It's where there's trust, there's healing. Forgiveness comes first, we build trust. Where there is trust, there is healing. So then your next steps are this, if we're talking about reconciliation, forgiveness. Forgive, reestablish trust, work at it, and be consistent. Because healing comes with restoration. So then we walk this out one day at a time, right? Choosing to disregard our feelings and operating in the spirit. Because what happens is reconciliation, forgiveness allows for healing when both parties are working together. Both parties must work together. Trust is the anchor, right? And so that works. That works as long as you don't reach out and pick this paper up again and go. Because the moment that you do this, everything that we've talked about today becomes brand new and fresh and you are starting over from scratch. This has to be eliminated. This doesn't exist anymore. I know, you're not going to forget. It's going to take time. But this doesn't exist anymore. And we walk away. And we walk away. Your action steps today are this. Let go of the offenses and the wrongs that have been done against you. Person, place, your dog, okay? Dog peed on my shoes. Let it go. All of them. That's about as simple as I can get, right? Let go of the offenses and the wrongs that have been done against you. Do not dwell on them another second. It's not yours to carry. It's not yours to carry. And then the other thing is this, leave retribution in the hands of God. That's what he asked for. He's so much better at it than we are. He's got it. And so then we leave retribution in the hands of God. Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you. Well, hey, thanks so much for listening to today's message. I hope that it challenged you and that you'll take steps this week to have a greater faith and to go deeper in your relationship with God. If you want to know more about what's happening here at Redefine Church, you can visit us online at liveredefine.com. Follow us on social media at Redefine Church or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon.